and now as we enter into the space of trying to hear God's word and what he has to say to us, let's uh, enter in a time of prayer. God, as we come now to uh, hear your word read and proclaimed, we recognize your presence in this place. And so we ask that you would open up our eyes so that we can see you clearly in these moments. And that you would open up our ears so that we can hear you speak. That you would open up our minds so that we can understand your word. And that you would open up our hearts that we might receive what you have for us. So that we might go from this place with hands that are opened to be generous with your gifts and with mouths that are open to proclaim your praise. We ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we continue this morning our series on putting on the armor of God that is becoming the people and using the, the gifts that God gives us to become the people that he's made us to be. And so I, uh, we're going to read together, again, this familiar passage that uh, we continue to come to week after week, um, and that is... Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. So I think it should be up on the screen. Phil, could you help us with that? There we go. So let's read this together. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. It's for the reading from God's holy word. Today we're looking at that section in the, uh, in the Ephesians text that talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And as I was uh, sitting in a coffee shop this week, kind of working on the, the message for this morning, I found myself really struggling and frustrated because it was Thursday morning and um, I don't know if you know that but Sundays are relentless they just keep coming every week and I'm sitting there on Thursday morning I'm usually only in editing mode by then and I really had nothing and uh, just saying God what is going on what's the deal with this this should be the easiest message to give in the whole series right the sword of the spirit the word of God go read your Bible let's go home right But I was really having a hard time because as I was working through this and studying the text and and wrestling with God about what he wanted to say to you all this morning um, and to me, I kept having these conversations with people. All along this series, I've been having these conversations with folks that are saying words like dry, rut, shallow. When they talk about where they're at spiritually and about 
their engagement with the scriptures right now. They're just using a lot of words like that. And maybe that's where you're at this morning. You're, you're feeling like those words are, are descriptive of where you're at. And so I ask a lot of times when I'm having those conversations, describe what the rut looks like. Like, how do you know that you've fallen into a rut? How do you know when you're in a place that's dry? And almost without um, exception, one of the things that will come out in that conversation is something like this. Um, I'm just not reading my Bible much right now. Or, I read my Bible, but I just, I don't get anything out of it right now. And I don't know what's going on. Right? As I was uh, wrestling through this, it, it occurred to me that um, saying to you all that reading the scriptures is important, it's something that's vital to our lives in Christ, you'd all say, well, yeah. I mean, you're here this morning because God called you here and because you value in some level, um, God's word, right? So I don't think I need to spend a lot of time convincing you that God's word is vital to our life in Christ. In fact, I talk to a lot of students who actually the idea and the conversation about reading God's word induces a great deal of guilt, right? Because the conversation about being a rut and goes like this, I'm just not reading my Bible much right now and... Um, I know that if I read my Bible, then I'd, it, it, it would turn around somehow. Something magic would happen. But I, I just don't read it enough. That's the problem. Right? I mean, maybe, maybe some of you are feeling that right now. But, um, but we end up finding ourselves stuck. Which is really strange if you think about it. Right? This is the message of God, Right? The, the message of salvation in Jesus Christ is put down for us. We are some of the most blessed people on the face of the earth that we actually have this so accessible to us. Um, like we have a message of God who wants to help us become gracious people and gives us the resources for that. People who are forgiving, people who embrace God in all of his fullness, right? And Holy Scriptures is the message of that. It helps us to become it. But for many of us, finding the sword of the Spirit, using it well, man, it's such a struggle, right? And a lot of times, it's not even taking the time to sit down and read it. It's like I read it, and I'm like, now what do I do? I mean, what, what does this mean? In fact, one of the things that kind of triggered this for me was I was sitting in that coffee shop, and I'm sitting there. I mind my own business. I am very much a... Um, a hermit when I show up at the coffee shop because I go there to work and yet I couldn't help but overhear a conversation just a few tables away from me with some college students the guys that were sitting there together and one of them just said flat out to his buddies I read the Bible and I have no idea what's going on like I want to know God's word but I just don't get it so this morning uh, I come to you and I want to share um something that I was praying through when I heard that and as I've been having conversations with many of you over this issue of feeling like we're in a rut and feeling like we know that God's word somehow ought to help us out of that rut, but where's the fit? Where do they come together? And so I'm going to engage God's word with you this morning, making a couple of different assumptions about this, right? And... Um, I actually get to use this very fancy clicker that we bought. So I'm going to try it and see how it works for me. Okay, here are the assumptions that I'm going to make about um, our conversation this morning. 
that God has brought you here and he's put inside of you a hunger to know him and to know his word. Secondly, that Holy Scripture is one of the primary ways that we come to know God and experience him in our lives. Third, is that we're still learning to read and apply Scripture well. Right? And then finally, learning to use the sword of the Spirit takes disciplined practice. Okay? Disciplined practice meaning that none of you would approach the learning of an instrument haphazardly. Just, I'll just sit down and plunk away. I mean, maybe you do. You plunk away a little bit, but over time you develop a rhythm and a routine, and maybe you get a, come alongside somebody who knows what they're doing, and they help you learn some chords, right? And, and some, some rhythm to it, right? We do that with music. We do that with sports, right? One of the most... Um, the best thing you could ever say about an athlete is, man, that guy is the first one into the gym and he is the last one out, right? That is a huge compliment to an athlete. I'm wanting to suggest that we apply all of these things about disciplined practice to every other part of our life and we say this is a good thing. Why would we not apply these things to our life in Christ? This is how God has made us. We're, we're people who learn and grow through the practice of things, a disciplined practice practice. And so those are some of the assumptions I'm going to make about our our conversation this morning. Holy Scripture is a miraculous thing. It is a dance between God and human beings, which is truly amazing, right? We think about Jesus coming into flesh, right, as this amazing moment when God Almighty came down into human being. And we don't talk about Jesus as being like 50% human and and 50% God. We say Jesus is 100% human and 100% God. And we're not exactly sure how that plays out, but miraculously, that's what God did. And I want to suggest that that's an analogy for Holy Scripture as well. That the Scriptures are 100% God speaking to us from heaven. But they are also 100% human beings writing things down as God spoke to them. Not everything that God has ever said is written down, but some of it is, very specifically for our purposes. In fact, the Apostle Peter says this about it. He says that all Scripture is, um, excuse me, that above all you must understand no prophecy of Scripture came by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origins in the human will, but the prophet through, uh, excuse me, though human, spoke from God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See that? There's this dance going on. The dance between God speaking and the human action. The human speaking. Right? All of the prophets start off with this line. Right? The word of the Lord came to Hosea. The word of the Lord came to Joel. The word of the Lord came to Micah. Right? And then they tell you what that word was. But Hosea and Joel and Michael are very different people. They come from very different places. They write with very different styles. That's very, very human in terms of who the character is that's writing it. And yet it is all God. It's a miracle that we have this amazing thing called Holy Scripture, the Word of God. And so also there's this dance going on in us. This dance of the Holy Spirit filling us and working in us and transforming us into the people God wants us to be, longs for us to be, made us to be. And yet, there's our part of the dance where we get ourselves and put ourselves in tune 
with God's rhythm. And we do that by knowing him, by knowing the Holy Scriptures. In fact, uh, 2 Timothy 3 says this, I, I think, I, I, I think, whoops, I thought it said this. Okay, we'll come back to that later. Um, but it does say this, it says, As for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know that those from whom you have learned it. How from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed. And this is the part where it's the dance. It is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's this dance between it's all God, and yet it's, it's all us. And somehow we dance together in this place of becoming the people that God wants us to be with this spirit-forged instrument that we call the Holy Scriptures. So if we're going to live with the confidence of being able to, to wield this instrument well, to, to use it with respect, with care, but with precision and with wisdom and with beauty. We need a technique. We need the ability to practice with it in a disciplined way. Uh, and so what I'd like to share with you this morning is a practice that, that I've uh, used for many years now uh, and that I have found to be both empowering and freeing uh, in the study and, and understanding of God's Word. The rhythm that I'm going to give to you, or excuse me, the, the, the process that I'm going to share with you, um, I'm putting down, uh, excuse me, I've put down on these little yellow sheets of paper so that you uh, can have it, you can keep it in your Bible uh, if you find it to be helpful to you. Now, I'll say that um, this isn't the only process. There are lots of processes for learning and reading God's Word. This certainly isn't the only one. This is a process. There's not one way to learn how to dance with the Holy Spirit. There are multiple ways. This is one, one that I found to be particularly helpful. And so I, I'm sharing it with you as a method, a process, but one that I find to be uh, very helpful. In fact, why don't, uh, I'm just going to start up here and pass from the back. In some way, we're going to find our way into the center with these things. So Paris, will you just take one and pass it down? I missed three friends that are in the back right here. Sorry about that, friends. Here you go. That way you can follow along. Now, all the things that are on here, I'm going to also put on the projector. But um, if you, uh, so that if you don't have to be vigorously writing, if, you, um, if you're a note taker, um, you'll have it right in front of you. So here's uh, a process that, to, to share with you. One, to have a good process, you're going to need good tools for training. Right? You don't just start with nothing. We start with good tools. And one, of the, one good tool is a good Bible translation. Right? Uh, another tool is a study Bible with helpful notes. And thirdly, a good process for using those tools. So, here we go. This is nuts and bolts stuff, guys. This is not usually the way I preach. Most of you know that. Um, but we're just going to get really nitty-gritty. How do you read the Bible? And how do you understand it for your life? This is down and dirty stuff about how to read the Bible. So, get yourself ready. If you're, you're not really into the nuts and bolts stuff, you can tune out for a few minutes. That's okay. Um, but if you really want to know how to engage God's Word in a helpful way, pay attention, okay? 
first of all, a good Bible translation. Right? Bibles are translated with kind of two different schools of thought. There's the literal school, and there's the dynamic school. Okay? The literal school over here says that you take the Bible, which is written in its original language in Greek or Hebrew, Old Testament's Hebrew, New Testament's Greek, and you simply translate it word for word. Um, and that's okay. That's not a bad way. It's one way of doing it. Right? And you'll see that some of the different options on there are the King James Version, the New American, the New Revised, the English Standard, and they kind of move on a spectrum in that way. On the other side are translations that are dynamic, that say you don't translate it word for word, you translate the idea, the meaning, right? So it does some of the work for you, right? And you've got a, a wide spectrum there from the message, which is very much a, just a big interpretation of Scripture, down to the NIV, which is maybe the most literal of the dynamic schools for, for Bible translation. Now, literal versus dynamic seems kind of um, academic, but let me give you an example, right? Buzz. How would you translate the word buzz to someone? It's not a normal English word, but it has multiple uses, right? The interview was like going through a buzz saw. I'm cleaning the garage, and bees started buzzing around my head. He hit the shot, and it was a buzzer beater. I went to my buddies, and we all, you know, got a little buzzed. Now, if you had to translate the word buzz for someone right now, what would you use? The literal school says, you just use buzz, and you let folks figure it out, right? The dynamic school from, again, across a wide spectrum says you translate it in a way that kind of conveys the meaning. So if you wouldn't say we got buzz, you said we drank alcohol to the point that we were intoxicated, right? So there, that's the difference between those two schools. And not one is better than the other. It's just wise to know what you're using. Most of the time in um, campus ministry, we use the NIV because it kind of wrestles these two places in a helpful way. But uh, it's certainly not the only one. But knowing what you have in your hands and what kind of translation you're using is helpful, right? Then the other thing you want to know is, um, is to have a good study Bible, have a good resource, right? Scripture speaks, and it's able to speak to us. But a lot of Scripture is in a time and a place that we don't, aren't familiar with. Right? When Peter is reading from the Old Testament, uh, he's reading it and saying, this is still very similar to today. It's not true for us. It's very different. So a good study Bible can help us with this. And whatever spectrum you want, on that spectrum you want to use, English Standard, NIV, NASV, they all have study Bibles that have these really helpful notes that help us understand God's Word a little bit more clearly. You keeping up so far? Is this okay? All right, I know. It's a little different than normal. We'll keep pace. Some of this is really fun, I promise. The, other, the next thing you're going to want is a helpful process, right? So if you've got, you know what you have in your hands in terms of a translation. You've got a tool to, go, to, to accompany you, someone that's walking along with you and studying that in the form of a study Bible. The other thing you're going to want is a good process to walk through. And the process I want to suggest is observing, interpreting, and applying following what um, I have as an acronym are the steps of, um, of good Bible reading. 
Now, occasionally, someone will kind of push back on me when I talk about process. Um, push back in the sense of, Scott, all you should have to do is read the scriptures, right? Why do you need a process? The Holy Spirit will make known to you what God wants, it, wants you to know. And I don't discount that. Please understand. Um, we don't understand God's word unless the Holy Spirit makes it clear. It doesn't matter if we use a process or not. And if God wants to make something clear without process, he can do that too. But often, regularly, the disciplined practice of reading God's word in a, in a, in a disciplined way creates a, a storehouse of fruitfulness that we don't often find when we don't use a process. At least I find that to be true in my life, and as I teach folks to do this in our um, uh, learning how to read the Bible classes and stuff like that, I think we find that to be true, too. Is that, am I saying something that's true, Chloe, Mackenzie? Okay. So as we do this together, we come to find that there's a storehouse when you practice this. It's not the only way. It's a way. But here's a process that I would commend to you as helpful. First of all, style, technical features, um, environment, purpose, and significance. If we follow these steps, we find things, and we discover God's word in new ways. Style. When you're looking at the style of Scripture, you pay special attention to verbs. They're like gold as you're mining through it. The verbs will carry so much weight, and they will help you see things that if you just read it and you don't look for those key terms, you may miss. But if you pay attention to the verbs, you notice. And you also pay attention to contrast, right? But, like, as, Paul will say something like, I wanted to go and do this, but, ah, something changed. Something, he's about to tell us something, right? You are supposed to be like this in Christ, but instead, right? These are things you notice along the way. I'm just trying to draw special attention to them. Right? The next thing you'll notice is the repetition of words, right? 3 John 1, 1 through 4 is a beautiful little example of this, right? And we'll go to that right now, then we'll go back. To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health, that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now, what do you think is important in that letter? Truth, right? We're going to keep coming back to that, right? You notice these repetitions if you pay attention to them, right? The other thing you want to note are cause and effects, right? Because of, so that, and then metaphors and similes, because a lot of times these carry a lot of theological weight, especially when Jesus uses them to tell a parable. The kingdom of God is like. Right? Those are things to pay special attention to. Then technical, feature, technical features. Right? That's the, so we're going through style. We're looking at some of these things. We get to the section on technical features. And the reason for looking at these things is because they can illuminate. Right? Beginnings and endings. Ephesians 5.22 says this, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And every guy with a girlfriend in this room right now kind of sits up a little straighter in his chair, gives maybe a little elbow. That's right. God said so. And every girl in the room gives a collective eye roll. 
Yep. Okay. Is that just what it is? Leave it as it is? And we can, take, we can do two things with this, right? We can apply it in a very literal, specific way. This is what it says. This is what we must do, which some um, tribes of our faith do. Most of the people in this room, I would suspect, do what the other thing we do with scriptures that we don't like. We just ignore it. I'm wanting to make a case that we don't do either one of those things, that we seek to understand. Because if we were to read all of Ephesians and ask the question, what precedes this? What, where does this section actually begin? We would find that Paul says in 521, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, in most, of the, in most Bible translations, actually, that is a paragraph above at the end of the previous section. And the question to be asked, is that the right place? 